who you are, what you have. Uh, across all six campuses, we'll be, uh, we'll be looking at uh, this series. This morning, my message is called Between Two Trees. You go, what is that all about? <laughs> Here's my main point, if you like. Who you are as a believer is not primarily about what you do, but where you're placed. Not about what you do, but where you're placed. What you do is temporary. It's contextual. What we do is God's conduit for blessing into our world, financial blessing. But it should not define us and it should not limit us in what God has called us to be and to do. I'm a lawyer, I'm a business person, I'm a mother, I'm a teacher, I'm a builder. These are roles, functions, responsibilities, they're opportunities, but they don't define who we are. They're what we do. And deep down, deep down we know this is true. We know that our job, our, our position, our role doesn't actually define us, but yet still we, we tend to fall back into that definition when it comes to defining who we are. And the reason is because the way God originally designed the world has been distorted and inverted with the fall. So the way God originally designed it is now broken and the devil has come to, to invert it so that now most people, instead of being defined by where they are placed or positioned, we define ourselves by what we do. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3 about how this whole thing came about. Now, am I saying that work's not important? Not at all. Work is very, very important. It is a part of who we are. It is a part of what we do. Um, is what we do important? Absolutely. But before the fall, before sin entered the world, what Adam and Eve did was secondary to where they were in relation to God. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. You can look it up in your own Bible. You can read it up here on the screens. It says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Next verse, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. Now listen to this. And there he put the man he had formed. He positioned him in the garden. He positioned him, he placed him in a place. <coughs> and the garden, although it was a geographical place, is representative of the place of communion with God, the place of connection, the place of faith, of freedom. He positioned them for blessing and for favour. It says in Genesis, Genesis 2.15, uh, Sorry, Genesis 1.28 in the message translation says this, He created them, male and female, and God blessed them. And he said this, prosper, reproduce, reproduce. <laughs> Fill the earth, take charge. God positioned Adam and Eve to thrive in every area of their life. That's where he positioned them at the beginning. That's the way God intended it to be. 
to be positioned for blessing and for favour, to be positioned to prosper, to reproduce, not necessarily just out of our own physical loins, but to reproduce after ourselves, to fill the earth and to take charge. (coughs) When Adam and Eve sinned, if you know the story, if you read through the early part of Genesis, if you're not familiar with it, we find that when Adam and Eve sinned, they fell from that elevated place. They were no longer positioned where they had originally been. In Genesis 2.15, I've got ahead of myself. Just before that, in Genesis 2.15, it says, so firstly, he positioned them. Secondly, he gave them something to do. He gave them a job, a role. He gave them a a, uh, profession, if you like. Genesis 2.15, God took the man and set him down in the garden. So number one, he positioned them to work the ground and keep it in order. So number one, he positioned them. Then came enterprise. Then came government. So purpose flowed out of the place that they'd been positioned, in the place that God had put them. Then when Adam and Eve fell, they came out of that elevated place. And the first thing they did to try and solve their problem, when they'd fallen from grace, when they lost that connection with God, instead of going, I'm sorry, looking to repent, looking to reconnect, what did they do? The first thing they did was work. That's our default in every area of our life. We think we're going to work our way out of it. Genesis 3, 7, it says this, Immediately, the two of them, after they'd eaten of that fruit and been disconnected and, and out of place from where they were, it says when they, when they saw what was really going on, they saw themselves naked. What did they do? Did they go, God, oh, we've got to come back to you? No, they sewed fig leaves together and started a clothing industry as makeshift clothes for themselves. Instead of our default setting, instead of always going to God, is I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna find a way to solve this. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna work harder, I'm gonna because uh, even though we'd been removed from our position, we still had our industry, got our creativity, we still had that purpose within us to work and to, and to build and to do things, but we'd lost our place. So now our work had become the primary focus and the, uh, the primary place of our identity. Now it's about what we do. Now it's about our work. Now we're going to work to solve our financial problems. Now we're going to work to find our relational problems. Now we're just going to work harder and try and fix it up. They still had their profession. They still had their industry, but they'd lost their place. They were no longer positioned for blessing and for prosperity. Now in Genesis 3.19, after this had happened, isn't it interesting? It says in the Bible, but the Lord God called to man, where are you? He did not say, firstly, what have you done? Where are you? Did he know where they were? Absolutely he knew where they were. But he was saying to them, where are you now? You've lost your place. You're no longer positioned for blessing and for favour and for prosperity. And I'm not just talking about financial. They still had their industry. They still could work hard. They could still do all that. But prosperity and blessing is more than just amassing finances, having more money. It's about a relationship with God. It's about blessing in our family, in our relationships, with our children, in our uh, 
progeny or or our other connections and relationships and our own health and our own well-being of our mind, our our heart, that's blessing and prosperity. Yes, it includes finances. Yes, it includes financial blessing. But we've defined prosperity as getting more money. And God says it's far bigger than just that. And if all you do is work harder to amass more of that, then you've actually inverted my design and my purpose for your life because it's not going to solve the other issues of your life. You might have all the money that you'll ever need. And yet if you've got disharmony in your family, in your relationships, in your connections, internally, you're still fighting with yourself, then you're never going to be blessed. doesn't matter how much money you've got. Yes, I want you to have more money. Yes, I want you to be blessed financially. But... It's not going to make you happy. It's not going to solve the issue. You've only got to look at Gina Reinhart to work that out. The richest woman in Australia, a multi-billionaire, and all over the pages of the paper, over and over again, there's just chaos. Chaos. Where are you? That's God's question for you today and this morning. Where are you? Not what do you do. Where are you? See, when they fell out of that place, before they were living in perfect communion, perfect harmony with each other, with God, once they fell, first thing that happened, they felt shame. They never experienced shame when they were in communion with God. But Genesis 2.25 says this, And Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Not anymore. When that disconnection came, shame is what they experienced. Their conscience that they'd never, that had never been alive before because they'd lived in, all of a sudden their conscience is pricking them in the heart. They're feeling shame for what they've done. Did they immediately go back to God? No. They tried to solve their own problem. They tried to work it out. That's what we do. The last place we go is back to God. We just try and fix the problem, start this, start that, work it out. Now they're living in shame. Now they're living in fear. Genesis 3.10 says, God says, where are you? And Adam says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Now fear has entered their consciousness, their world. (coughs) Their relationship begins to break down. Adam goes, she did it. She made me eat it. What What was once harmonious and perfect now has become disconnected and blame finding. Eve starts blaming the devil. That's where it starts. Right back at the beginning. The devil made me do it. No responsibility. No taking on, you know what, I'm responsible for this. I am where I am because the decisions I made. And I am empowered to get back to God and get these things sorted out. No, the devil did it. The devil did it. Yeah, come on. Everything else we read in the Bible, as you look at at, at relationships and and, and the breakdown from Genesis chapter 3, inferiority complexes, regret, disappointment, anger, bitterness, resentment, murder, incest, adultery, on and on and on and on. This list goes, all came out of the place that now they'd lost their position. 
and all these other things came into their psyche, into their, into their uh, emotions, into their relation. Internally and externally, it was manifest because it was the fruit of the fruit that they ate. That was the fruit. But at least they could still work. What a bonus. <laughs> they could work. They could still work. And that's why it doesn't matter how much finances we amass, and that's a part of God's blessing and a part of his plan. It's not God's old. It's secondary to finding our place in God, of being positioned for blessing and favour in every area of our life. Harmony in our world. Blessing and prosperity is about living whole, living healthy, living in harmony and living in divine purpose. And out of that comes financial blessing. And when we've got it all, then you've got blessing. You can't truly prosper in the biblical sense, which includes finances and, and that area of our life, which is important. We're not minimizing. We're not saying it's of no importance. We're not saying that uh, we should live without money. It's just having it in the right place in our life. So we can't truly be prosperous as the biblical Bible defines it while we're living between two trees. And this is my message here today. Most times we live between two trees. In Adam, in Adam and Eve, we also ate of that first tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It says we're, we're a progeny of his, we're in his loins. When he ate, we ate. That's why sin flows down through all humanity. It's in, our, it's in us. We ate of that and that's why we have inferiority. That's why we feel fear, shame. All these things because of our disconnection from God. We're no longer in the place that we were. We ate of that tree. That's why Jesus came. One tree we ate and we fell from grace. Jesus hung on another tree in another garden. Another garden that whoever eats of that fruit could be restored back to the place of original design in blessing and favour, in harmony with God and with man. But we spend our lives living between two trees, eating the fruit of this tree and yet continually going back to eat the fruit of the other tree, living between two trees. Jesus Christ came and said, whoever would eat of this fruit of his life would receive redemption, restoration, renewal, that through Jesus Christ we would be repositioned back into a place of blessing, that we could not only be blessed, but we can be a blessing to those in our life and to those around us. That's God's design. That's God's purpose. That's what he wants. And it doesn't just mean getting saved, giving our life to Christ, which is important, and receiving eternal life, which is one of the primary reasons he came, but it means being positioned and positioning ourselves back into a place where we can prosper, reproduce ourselves, fill the earth and take charge. That's what God wants for your life. That's what he wants for our church. That's what he wants for every person. God's original desire and plan. But to do that, we have to stop eating of the fruit of the first tree. <laughs> its residue is in our life and we must embrace everything that Jesus Christ has done. We've got to embrace it. 
We've got to take a hold of it. When we allow shame to dominate our life and influence us, we are eating of the first tree. Jesus Christ came to bring forgiveness. When we repent, when we say, God, I'm sorry, stop trying to work it out ourselves, work harder, create some kind of clothing that think, we think is going to protect us. No, we go back to God. We say, I'm sorry. I repent. And the blood of Jesus washes away shame. It's gone. We don't need to live with it. Every time it comes, we, we can choose to eat of it or we can choose to reject it and say, no, in Jesus' name, I don't need to live in shame. Or if we've done something that has brought shame upon us, we can come back to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry. I can be cleansed of shame. We do not need to live with shame. Shame debilitates us. Shame separates us from God and from people. We do not need to live with shame. When shame dominates your life, it holds us back. Inferiority, we all at different times in different ways suffer from inferiority because we were disconnected from God and our place. And therefore, every time we come into a place where we're feeling inferior, where we're feeling secondary, we need to choose to reject the fruit of that first tree and say, no, in Jesus' name, I am more than a conqueror. I'm more than enough. I need to take a hold of his identity, his purpose, his plan, and I'm not going to continue to eat of the fruit that caused me to feel inferior or disconnected because then that will outwork in every relationship I have. We begin to sabotage and undo and untie the relationship because of our own inferiority, because we continue to accept and eat of the fruit of the first tree. You've got to say, no, I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to eat of that tree any longer. In Jesus' name, I'm eating of another tree and I don't need to feel inferior. I don't need to feel bad about my upbringing, my, my background, my, my parents or uh, my job or anything that I've done. When we're positioned in Christ Jesus, blessing flows. Blessing comes. Unforgiveness. When we will not forgive, we continue to eat of the first fruit when Jesus came to bring forgiveness and asked us to forgive those as well. Choose today. I'm going to eat of that fruit and I'm going to reject the fruit of the first tree. I'm no longer going to live in unforgiveness for what people have done or said or, or affected my life in the past. Today's a new day. No longer. I'm not going to keep going back to that tree and the fruit of what it does in my life and how it affects me and my future and my family and the relationships that I have. No longer. Today's a new day in Jesus' name. Doubt, every time doubt comes into our heart, we, cho we can choose to eat of it or we can choose to eat of God's hope and expectation. Bitterness and anger, again, res the result of our fall and the fruit of the first tree in our lives. Every time we respond that way, and we all do it at times. I'm not saying you can live perfectly responding the right way every time because we are between two trees. And yet every time we have been empowered by Christ to choose which tree we're going to eat the fruit of. Every time Jesus, when Christ comes into our life, he, we can now eat of, the, of, of another tree. In the Garden of Eden, when they ate of that first tree, God said, now you're out. You can no longer eat of the tree of life because 
of the separation and the sin that is now within you. You're barred from that other tree and out of the garden. And Jesus Christ came to make that option available again. In Jesus Christ, the fruit of the tree of life that sets us free, that changes our thinking, our paradigm, our life, our outlook, our look at it, how we consider and look at ourselves and those around us. That's the fruit of Jesus Christ and the tree of life that is available to every single person, every single day of our lives in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm going to get a drink. I'm working hard up here. Getting a sweat. Reposition. So we choose. We choose what fruit we're going to eat. <coughs> we take hold and choose to eat the fruit of, of a victorious mindset and we let go of defeat in Jesus' name. I will not be defeated. Jesus Christ said he came to bring me victory in his name. I can choose to eat a defeat and how that's going to affect me psychologically, spiritually, what I'm going to do in my thinking. Am I, I'm not, it doesn't matter what goes on. I'm undefeated in Jesus Christ. Every time I get knocked down, I can get up again because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What are you going to eat? We're fueled by the fruit of hope in Christ. Therefore, we need to stop eating of the fruit of despair, despondency, discouragement and disappointment. Are we going to eat that fruit? Are we going to allow the effects of it to come into our life and hinder our outlook of the future and those around us? Or are we going to say, no, no, not any longer am I going to eat that fruit. I choose to eat of the fruit of hope in Jesus Christ. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope of my life. He's the hope of my future. I'm going to choose to eat that fruit every day of my life. I live in the hope of Jesus Christ. I say, no, are those thoughts going to come? Absolutely. Is the temptation going to be there to feel bad and, and sorry with myself and my circumstances and what's going on? The opportunity to, to choose to eat of that and, and taste the, the sour bitterness of defeat and disappointment, is it going to be there? Absolutely. Are you empowered to say no? Absolutely. You do not need to accept it. You do not need to eat it. You do not need to have it any longer. You choose what fruit you're going to eat in your life. Stop eating of the fruit of despair and disappointment. Take a hold of the fruit that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. Christ, the hope of the world. It's one thing to sing about it. It's another thing to believe it and walk it out in your life with the decisions that we make every day about how we're going to respond to life. We're motivated by the fruit of love, which means we stop eating of the fruit of hate. Hate <coughs> eats us up. Bitterness, hate, chews us up on the inside, undoes everything else that God is doing in our life. We're sabotaging ourselves every time we continue to eat of that fruit. Say, no, I'm not going to stop eating it. No, I love the taste of it. Oh, it makes me feel so good to hate that person that did that thing to me or, or caused that suffering or took that money or broke that business deal. You've got to say, you know, I'm not going to eat that anymore. It might be like eating a great big 
profiterole chocolate tower. It might feel amazing at the start, but it's going to make you sick in the end. Or you can come over here to the tree of life where Jesus says, I can bring forgiveness, you can overcome, and I've got blessing for you in the future. And it may be like green vegetables. It may not be as sweet and savoury or, or, as, or as palatable at, at first, but I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. It's going to build your future if you continue to eat of the things that God offers us in the fruit of His tree. We're empowered through the fruit of forgiveness. We let go of bitterness. We are elevated by eating the fruit of faith and we reject the fruit of fear. I'm not going to be living in the fear or the fruit of it in my life. Fear is not of God. Now, I'm not talking about the fear that comes, you know, like fatalism. Some religions have where, you know, you're walking along the edge of a 300 metre cliff and go, I feel no fear. No, that's ridiculous. That's just being stupid. I'm talking about fear of the future, <coughs> fear of the promises of God, fear this isn't going to happen, fear God's not going to be there for me, fear life's not going to work out. Every time we stand in a circumstance, we can choose to eat of that fruit and accept and embrace fear into our life. But Jesus Christ came to say, you never have to live in fear again. If you eat of the fruit of faith, Eat of the fruit of, of the promises that I've placed within you. Your word has all the answers. Reject fear. Is it easy? No, not easy, but it is possible in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he came to empower us to live a new kind of life. And if we don't get these things right, if we don't make decisions internally to reject the fruit of the old life and the old ways and, and the first tree and choose to eat of the fruit of Jesus Christ and the tree that he offers to us in his life, then it doesn't matter how much money we amass. It doesn't matter how rich we get from the industry and the creativity and the gift that God gave us right from the start. We will never prosper. We will never be blessed as far as God is concerned because everything that's going on internally will eat up and destroy everything that's going on on the outside eventually and will amass a fortune just to be fought over by the Reinhard children. <laughs> Work our guts out that the family can, can implode over jealousy and, and bitterness and greed. That's not blessing. That's not prosperity. God says, get your place right first, then blessing and favour will come. And when we're in the right place, when we're positioned for prosperity... <coughs> it doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what you do if you're in the right place. Because God can bring blessing. God can bless you tying your shoelaces. It's not like, oh, I should have I been a doctor. If I'd have been a doctor, I'd have more money. Or I should have been a lawyer. Should have gone to business school. Should have been a butcher, should have been a baker, should have been a candlestick maker. Should have, could have, would have, didn't. Doesn't matter. When we're positioned right, when we get these things right, blessing comes. 
prosperity comes. You only have to look around. People are making money doing everything. Child mining, teaching, cooking, building, business, cleaning, mowing lawns. When we're positioned right, one creative idea, one idea of ingenuity, one open door can bring blessing and finances into our world that is going to actually build and bring blessing rather than destroy us in the long run. Focus more on where you are rather than what you do. Is what we do important? Yeah. Should you enjoy what you do? Absolutely. But focus on being planted in the right place, positioned for blessing. Where are you? Was the question. Right now, in your heart, what fruit are you eating? Right here, right now, in your life, all of those things that I talked about, are you on a habitual basis, eating of the fruit of inferiority, eating of the fruit of fear, eating of the fruit of despair, disappointment, discouragement that is affecting you, your outlook, your life and your future. Are you habitually eating of the fruit of bitterness, disappointment, hatred, unforgiveness that is separating you from God and His purpose and plan for your life? Today's the day to let it go. Today's the day to say, no, I'm not going to eat that fruit any longer. I say no to that. I say yes to Jesus. Then I'm telling you, if you focus on that first, money will come. Money will come. God's plan is get your place first, your profession second. And the flow of God's blessing, which includes finances, which includes provision, prosperity in the biblical sense will come into your life. When you're whole, you can hear the voice of God. You can hear one creative idea. You can be led by the Spirit that takes you into a place. God's provision is unlimited. Unlimited. Never say, I've missed my chance. I had the opportunity to do this and I missed it. Now I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. I've got to live. I've got to stay in this place. It's too late. I've just got to work. It's never too late. Never too late in Jesus Christ for that thing to change. But you've got to get your place right first. Why don't we stand here this morning? Father, I thank you for...